The Guardian. Media Talk is brought to you by Taylor Wessing, bringing you the latest on legal development in technology and media. For more information, head to guardian.co.uk slash media dash tech dash law. Did you miss us? Welcome back to Media Talk. I'm Matt Wells. Coming up this week... I was treated badly because of my age and standing up to the BBC was the right thing to do, however hurtful, however stressful. No country fire for old women. After Miriam O'Reilly wins her ageism claim against the BBC, we ask what are the implications for the broadcasting industry. Also in the podcast? Journalists and pundits should not manufacture a blood libel that serves only to incite the very hatred and violence that they purport to condemn. That is reprehensible. We look at the American media's reaction to the Arizona shootings. Is this a watershed moment in the country's inflamed political discourse? Plus, is press self-regulation on the brink? And... Five, four, three, two, one. Thunderbirds are go. Again, well, probably anyway. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. Happy New Year, everybody. It's lovely to be back, although I have to say I have the uh, January lurgy, so apologies if this show isn't as perky as usual. Uh, anyway, I'm sure that you've all seen that the 23rd James Bond movie has been given the green light. How appropriate, therefore, that we've got two of Media Guardian's international men of mystery uh, on board. Uh, that said, I'm afraid it's less, less of a case of 007 and more like 00. Uh, always shaken but never stirred, it's John Plunkett, Media Guardian's radio correspondent and uh, licensed to thrill. It's the media journalist without portfolio, Stephen Brook. Good to see you both. Have you? You, uh, have you been keeping yourselves busy? Yeah, I was a stand-in for Daniel Sorry. Craig's left thigh. Oh, right. So it's about all I can manage by myself. <laughs> How are you, Steve? Yeah, yeah, very good. good. Glad to be back. Thank you. Uh, we're glad to have you. Let's start with the big story of Media Week in the UK, which is that the former country file presenter Miriam O'Reilly has won her claim for age discrimination and victimisation against the BBC. This was her reaction at a press conference this week. I feel overwhelmed by this victory. It's been a long time coming. Um, I've been fighting for 14 months to get justice. It was hard to take on the BBC because I love the BBC. I loved working there. I think it's one of the best broadcast organizations in the world. But I felt that I was treated badly um, because of my age and standing up to the BBC was the right thing to do, however hurtful, however stressful it has been. I would like to go back and work for the BBC. I took this action because I wanted to work for the BBC. I've been really impressed that they have apologised and that they've come today and said that they would like to talk to me about future work. However, we have a long way to go with ageism in the visual media, and not just the BBC, across the whole industry. And I've said this right from the start. It isn't just the BBC, but we still have a long way to go. We're seeing the changes. We're seeing a start. We're not seeing enough, and it's not happening quickly enough, but I hope that it will. And I hope that this case and the stand that I've taken will help that happen a lot quicker. The 53-year-old had been unfairly dropped from BBC One's Rural Affairs show Countryfile. That's according to the Employment Tribunal. Uh, it's a landmark ruling that could have wide-ranging implications for the broadcast industry. Uh, we've been joined for this part of the show by Jane Martinson, pod regular, and The Guardian's women's editor. Jane, um, you've written about this this week. Do you think that there will be 
uh, a reaction that there will be consequences because of this ruling? Well, I think, as I wrote, I, I think the um, it's not going to be immediate. So uh, Miriam O'Reilly said that the impl- it would have implications for the whole mm. of the broadcast industry. I think that's going to take a long time to get away with the sort of get away from the cultural assumptions that have left lots of older men on our screens and no woman over 40 in significant numbers. Um, 50% of the women on our screens are under 35. Um, so I think it's going to take a long time. I do think the BBC particularly, and this is really embarrassing for the BBC, given that they have the remit to try to reflect mm. licence fee payers, um, you know, whether that's for sex, whether that's for age, uh, whether that's from region, you know, the BBC, and to be fair, you know, the BBC the one who, who gets these sorts of complaints the most, but that's because really none of the other broadcasters are trying as hard. I thought what was really interesting from the uh, judgment, the uh, 55 pages of it, which I've got here, uh, was, was that it confirmed what we sort of, well, not we mm. sort of, what we did know, that decisions about presenters are taken on quite whimsical and subjective basis. Uh, you know, It was uh, really quite, uh, the whole, the sort of media industry and that way that the sort of, and, and working in the business, you, you know that sort of, um, and you know, I do have some sympathy for sort of, Jay Hunt comes in, she goes, let's refresh, let's get this programme mm. sexier, let's put it on prime time. So that means we have to change the presenters. The problem well, is that every well, time that they do of, this, yes, yeah. every time they do this, it's the woman with wrinkles who goes. Yeah. So they leave the sort of one man who stands up for a bit of gravitas. I mean, this is country file. Mm. You know, it's not the big breakfast. It's not sort of XFM. It's country file. There are lots and lots of older people that watch that programme who oddly enough, don't mind seeing well, the, well, and this is exactly sometimes. What, this is, is exactly what the, the, the tribunal said. And it's perfectly reasonable, isn't it? It is perfectly re- reasonable that a new controller might want to refresh the show. What they've now, but the, the way they go about it is, mm. has got to be more transparent. And in effect, it means that, that, that television and the entertainment industry is subject to the same sort of employment rules and must go through the same procedures well, that, that every, every other business That's why do. it's such a landmark, I think, that, that the sort of lines in it which says, you know, there are one, one line where said um, they seemed to suggest it was particularly uh, scathing of Jay Hunt and Andy Thorman. They seemed to suggest the, that the, boss, the yeah. producer at the time that this is just the way things are done in the media. I mean, mm. they were, you know, this is just not the way you do things in the law. You can't do that. And also the suggestion that it's particularly hard for older women on broadcast media. You know, those things, this is the first time we've had an industrial tribunal. Of course, the interesting thing about this is Miriam O'Reilly had to take an incredibly difficult decision. She's not effectively not worked for two years. Mm. People have sort of, she, you know, you can almost sense that. Don't touch her with a barge pole. You know, she's involved in this hideous case. All the other women that have complained about this sort of thing um, have either settled out of court or they've gone on to other gigs. Sort of that's the way the Or the their careers works. were done in any way. Or and they, and they, they felt go they, and do something yeah, else, yeah. yeah. Uh, John, you, uh, you, you covered this case and you were at the press conference as well with me. Um, what, did, um, I mean, what did you make of the... Of, of, of the ruling and the implications. Well, the first thing from the from the verdict, I thought, was it was the quite tough talk that came out from the um, in, in in the in the judgment. They said, uh, as, as Jane alluded to there, they said Jay Hunt and Andrew Thorman had uh, given a, a complacent explanation that that's just the way things are done in the media, uh, and they said that um, a key thing was that. Um, uh, Hunt and Thorman, their, their um, evidence contradicted each other. Uh, Thorman said that Jay Hunt has, uh, basically demiss, uh, dismissed Miriam O'Reilly's career in, in, in eight words, and Jay Hunt said, "You know, I would never have done this." But the um, the uh, the verdict said that um, 
the uh, the inconsistencies weren't a result of their memories fading, uh, but because they weren't straightforward as to the real basis for their decision. So I mean, that's, it's pretty pretty damning stuff there. Yes, you I could mean, also it, recommend any media studies student to read that judgment because it did to me it did drip with the sort of you can imagine those emails going through. I mean, in all sorts of ways. You know, there were the sort of the presenter that was saying, "I'm only two years older." You know, did, did she have to suggest to the Telegraph that it was age that was to do with it? This seems a bit unfair, but of course, it all made me laugh. It's a great joke isn't it that mm. whole idea that you can't possibly moan about being taken seriously as an older woman you know it was all sort of and the way that these decisions are made the, the one of the producers who wrote saying um I, i'm actually looking for a presenter is it is there any point in me doing this or is jay really just going to find someone yeah. you know um, that sort of way that decisions are made with, with four <laughs> question marks at the end of that email because what this really does show is that these types of uh places operate almost as personal fiefdoms oh. and I think in one sense the tribunal decision is wrong because Miriam O'Reilly wasn't really dismissed on grounds of ageism. It's because Jay Hunt didn't want her. And those decisions happen time and time again throughout broadcasting and probably even in newspapers. It's the editor's call. I think the problem here... Well, it's the whim, isn't it? This, um, yeah. That's what I'm saying. But, 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 but what this suggests is that you can't run television television in this way you have to have a more transparent process because yes. wins are about discrimination yeah. and yes. actually even if i am absolutely positive without having talked to jay that at no point in her head even probably yeah. did she say let's get rid of the old women i can just imagine though the sort of suggestion where you're going i want to make this a bit sexier and then suddenly you know this younger sexy woman and this somersaulting man and then for a bit oh we can't get rid of all the old people so that'd be terrible so, so let's keep just john keep craven. in john craven yeah. who in a fantastic line uh, when justifying this decision um, and saying to the press office who immediately highlighted this oh we're the bbc they're going to say we're ages oh yes there's a br- brilliant briefing brilliant from the press office line year, where yes. the producer says oh for god's sake we've got i mean after all we've got julia bradbury 38 and john craven 68 so basically who are no spring chickens so yeah. basically you can be a spring chicken 30 years later yeah the, they uh, did in a sort of desperate rearguard action come up with a sort of decision as to why all these women had gone that they weren't peak time faces and they didn't have network oh, experience radio line didn't help yeah. i know but then they were replaced look who replaced them adam, adam henson jules hudson james wong i'd never heard of any of them mm. yeah i know uh, well i mean i i, I think the, the the interesting thing i think will be will, and this as you say jane it'll take some time to work through will be whether this leads to a kind of transformative way in um in which the recruitment processes in in in, in television are done or whether this will just be ignored and, and whether we'll be back here in three or four years time with another uh, uh tribunal which which, uh, which which upholds all 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 of this again i think these things do take a long time mm. don't they and and let's not forget i mean you know one of the points i made is that the reason the media, everyone says, well, it's really different for on-screen talent. We all know you have to scrub up nicely and look good. Mm, perhaps, but we've had this slew of sort of not traditionally attractive presenters who are men in the last few years. And, and also they're sort of seen as it's acceptable. Whereas if you don't have women of all types and ages on the screen, how on earth do you expect in society at large for those people to be taken seriously? Right. It's interesting because the soaps 
Go on. Lord older women, don't they? They're sort of up at Dot Cotton, they're the, key characters, well, Coronation but there Street. But there's a comic, and tra- I mean, that, that, uh, talking to people, what's really interesting is you look at comedians. There are an amazing number of comedians who are women. Mm. On soaps, they tend to be the sort of tragic older role. There are sort of roles that women can fit into. When it comes to hard news, serious journalism, F- investigations, factual television, yeah. factual television and that sort of, you know, that, that awful email where she was saying, you know, I've, I've been scuba diving, I've been jumping off of cliffs. That sort of suggestion that somehow you have to sit there in your slippers and, and moan, you know, that, mm. that sort of stereotype it just feeds into. I mean, that's, you know, that's what's interesting about the faces you do see fit a certain role. Okay. Not always. We have exceptions. Yeah. All know. right, Jane. Uh, uh, that'll do for now. Thank you very much. There's much more comment uh, on uh, Mary Morali and this ruling at mediaguardian.co.uk. Over to the United States for this next uh, section now, where there have been some searching questions about the media's role in the shooting in Arizona, which left six people dead and the Democratic Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords critically injured. Now, the tone of the debate on the cable TV news channels and the radio talk shows has always been robust in America. But since the election of Barack Obama, it has become more polarised and sometimes even violent. At the eye of this storm is Fox News, home to the Tea Party poster boy, Glenn Beck. They're dangerous. It's hate speech, you know. Nothing but violent rhetoric. They've been using this storyline for a very, very long time. It's almost laughable at this point. They've been wrong so many times. They're desperately using every opportunity to try to convince you that somehow or another Sarah Palin is dangerous. Somehow or another Rush Limbaugh is dangerous that I am. Anything to shut her down, shut me up, shut talk radio down, shut Fox News off then everything will be sunshine and lollipops. Now, if, we, uh, if only we knew someone who was familiar to Media Talk listeners and had re- recently immersed themselves in the world of the American commentariat. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't think of anyone. Uh, so we'll have to settle for Emily Bell, who, who was, of course, a founding member of the Media Talk panel and is now director of the Toe Center for Digital Tau. Journalism. Is it Tau or Toe? Tao and Cam. Tao. There we are. Tao Center for Digital Journalism at Columbia University in New York. Hello, Professor Bell. Greetings, Mr. Wells. Hello. Um, how significant is this moment in the way that the political debate is being played out in the media, do you think, Emily? I think it is probably quite a significant moment. Um, it's hard to appreciate from the UK just how commonplace, uh, really invective, rhetoric is in the states there's there's a you know one hears about it as a kind of a pantomime type of dialogue that you you get from fox news but there is uh, a really fond adherence uh, to the first amendment here which guarantees uh, freedom of the press and freedom of speech uh, and freedom of political practice which does really um allow people to say things which certainly in the uk would get you into a lot of trouble uh, not least with um incitement laws. Uh, so, you know, it is very pervasive, this rhetoric. I was really surprised when I got here how commonplace it was to see people urging um, the use of violence and weaponry um, against citizens, uh, even on quite mainstream news channels. There was a panel discussion on Fox about the WikiLeaks um, case, which I believe you're all familiar with at The Guardian, where uh, two panellists on a, a, a primetime show suggested that, that basically that, that Assange should be assassinated and use those words. And it's kind of incredible. I think that what's happened in Arizona is that you know, it's not actually, the shooting is very unlikely to be related 
directly to uh, what Glenn Beck says on Fox, but it has highlighted this problem with an atmosphere created by rhetoric that everybody is ki- kind of knows is there, but now they've really got to acknowledge uh, that it exists and that it's not it's neither civil nor helpful. Whether or not it gets people to back away from it, I, I doubt. I mean, you probably saw Sarah Palin yesterday uh, yes. uh, talking about um, how she has been blood libeled, which... Uh, for scholars of blood libel will know is an incredibly inappropriate and offensive use of the term, but it has slightly distracted the debate here today. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the interesting thing is that, uh, you know, from, from my visits there, is that you st- start to realise that, as, as you're saying, I, I, I guess in Britain we, we think that, that all of this stuff is just on the margins and on the fringe and talk, you know, talk radio and cable TV networks. Um, but, but, but it isn't really, is it? It's really quite all-pervasive. Fox News is the best-watched network here. It has a regular viewing audience of of upwards of 6 million people. Uh, And it's very mainstream, and and most of its news is pretty much as you would, you know, recognise a high-quality cable news channel to be just in terms of its production values and its uh, speed and accuracy of coverage. Uh, But it's slightly shocking, I think, if you come from the UK, that actually the bias uh, of news coverage is expressed much more through broadcast than it is through press, which has uh, a more assiduous um, history in the States of being impartial. So that's that's something that really hits you in the face when you get here, that people do bloviate on television in a way that you would never expect in the UK. But it is very central. It's very central to uh, how public debate is 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 conducted and actually the marginal uh, areas are the you know the, the new york times and the anderson cooper etc on cnn you know these are kind of big brands here but in terms of mass audiences you know they're they're, they're arguably much more marginal than the um the, the than the the heightened rhetoric shows and and the other interesting thing is I, you know, I guess in a similar way to uh, how in Britain, uh, as you say, it's the press and uh, and the tabloids. Here, uh, we uh, we think and assume, and there has been plenty of evidence for it, that that the tabloid news judgments and values have quite a lot of influence on politicians and policy. Um, uh, is that the same there? The, um, do the does the Republican Party take its cue from what Glenn Beck says, for example? Well, if the Republican Party and Fox News are practically inseparable. Uh, you've got five of the next or potential six candidates for uh, Republican leader actually on or, who either are on or have been on the payroll of Fox News. The, the, one of the great, uh, I suppose, stories at the heart of American politics in the last five to ten years has been the um, real kind of interrelationship between uh, media and politics in a way which, uh, as I say, sort of makes some of these these things um, uh, sort of inseparable. The interesting thing that's that's happening here, and I guess that it will be interesting to see how uh, the current debate plays out and into this, is that uh, the Tea Party, which are really on the very sort of far right uh, wing of the um, Republican Party, are actually seen as being as, rep- as, as problematic for mainstream uh, Republicans as they are for um, Democrats. So the driving uh, ideal that you would t- tamp down the rhetoric 
uh, is likely to come from a much broader part of the political spectrum, not least because actually you know, the Republicans are, are, are not interested really in having, they feel deeply ambivalent about the rise of the Tea Party. It's a bit like you know the far right of the Conservative Party always, always proving a problem for the leadership and how the Europe debate um, divides the lobby here. Uh, but I think that everybody feels a bit ashamed. You know, people do, it, it might not be related to the shooting directly, but people just feel slightly ashamed of themselves. And I think you can sense that a little bit, however defensive people are, that there is uh, Roger Ailes, the head of Fox News, has told his anchors to and his 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 um, opinionated uh, journalists to tone it down a bit, which is certainly the first time anyone's seen anything like that out of Fox News in the recent past. Time to uh, take a look at a few of the other stories making the news in media land this week. Let's start with something serious, the Joanna Yates uh, murder hunt. And there's uh, uh, been a lot of talk, hasn't there, Stephen, about the um, uh, contempt of court rules uh, when the uh, landlord, her landlord, Chris Jeffries, was arrested. And then there was a lot of delving into background and speculation about his character, wasn't there, um, in the press, which technically you're not supposed to do. Yeah, it was tabloid newspapers doing what they do, presenting the most colourful But it was broadsheets as well. Broadsheets as well. On events, there is a difference when someone's arrested and when they're charged. Mm. And at the heart of it is always what is the jury going to think at the eventual trial and how long uh, after that... um, all that stuff is published. Mm. Are the jury actually going to be sitting there making judgment on this guy in the end? He wasn't charged, so we might not face that. I think of a more pressing concern is what happens on the internet and on Twitter in these kind of cases because you've got to have really firm directions to juries. Don't go home and Google this guy's name who's in here as a suspect. The only evidence that you can take on board is what's you hear in court. Well, I was. Uh, well, it was interesting when exactly that happened when I, when I was on jury service, um, and I think I'm, you know, we're, I'm perfectly at liberty to say that, that that direction was made constantly. The, you know, the judge saying, "Don't, don't Google, don't Twitter, don't Facebook," and and the the courts are taking it, you know, um, really really seriously. But John, um, the. Um, the, the way in which the media and the police operators has also come into question, hasn't it, with the you know, the relations between the police, particularly in this case, and the media haven't been that great with ITN being banned from a press conference and all the rest of it. That's right, yeah. There have been suggestions that the police have, uh, have made mistakes in terms of trying to, uh, trying to manipulate the news and make sure there's been sort of a, a steady stream of updates. Uh, and, uh, yes, they did make a complaint to uh, Ofcom since withdrawn about uh, a report on ITV News, which... Mm. Um, which uh, criticised the police uh, investigation. Um, I think it's uh, it's extraordinary. I think it's really changed the last couple of years. I don't think you'd have seen this uh, sort of coverage maybe f- uh, even five years ago, possibly yeah. in terms of the amount of speculation and, well, uh, and background information about uh, suspects who haven't haven't been charged. Yeah, and and Jeffries is now going to um, you know he's looking to sue the police for wrongful arrest and also going to take. Uh, take action against newspapers for, for defamation. So it's got immediate consequences. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the thing is, I think, is, is how it's all to do with how um, uh, broadly and, and unspecifically drawn the Contempt of Court Act is. Uh, it's, you're not allowed to publish material which would uh, cause a substantial risk of serious pre- prejudice. Substantial risk of serious prejudice. Both of those ha- uh, have to be satisfied. And, um, you know, if any trial and, murder, and a murder trial could be a year away or, you know, the, even if they've, the, if they've arrested the suspect and charged 
charge them, it, it's a long time to the trial. It's very difficult to prove that material published that far back did have a substantial risk of serious, serious prejudice. It's, uh, you know, the, when you don't know who the jurors are going to yeah. be and how much attention they pay to the media. Okay. Um, how do you find 12 people not on Facebook? As another channel? <laughs> well, that's, that's the other thing. Um, elsewhere in Fleet Street, I see that Paul Dick has got a rather nice pay, uh, uh, pay rise. Uh, £2.8 million pounds a year he's now worth. Uh, well, what, what salary would tempt you to go to the mail, Brookie? Half that. <laughs> uh, now I'm thinking with a puzzled expression. Look, I've got a lot of respect for the mail. It has, and, it's, and it has been a, a seriously good year for the mail, particularly uh, online. Although not the decade. Yeah, but the most well important thing, all you know, apologies to Paul, is the fact that they made record profits oh. coming out of the back of a quite severe recession and a media recession. The reason why he's done so well is that that paper has just done so well. Yeah, which uh, is kind of extraordinary when you think about the carnage that the rest of the industries. Experience. That's true. Uh, um, elsewhere in uh, newspaper land, the News of the World phone hacking story um, creeps on, doesn't it, with more incremental uh, uh, revelations. Assist, assistant, or assistant editor Brackets News, Ian Edmondson, uh, has been suspended. You know he's an important man uh, because he's got Brackets in his job title, so he's uh, definitely uh, a senior figure. A man, uh, I, a man I once worked with on the Sunday People. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I saw no evidence of wrongdoing, but he did send me to doorstep uh, Dane Bowers. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that sort of moves the case on at all. <laughs> you were... The, no, but the, the, the fact here that I'm surprised is that you work for the Sunday People. Well, it's a Saturday shifter. I did not £100, know pounds, no expenses, no questions. <laughs> well, quite. Um, and did, uh, did Dane Bowers answer the, uh, your knock at his door? Unfortunately, both the snapper and I were looking away when he, when he exited, so we did, we, we did pursue him in the car. You missed the story. Well, the snapper suggested I get out of traffic lights and knock on his window, but I, thought, did I you, thought that might not work. Did so you was, get a bollocking from Ian Edmondson? No, we just went back and sat outside an empty house until <laughs> five o'clock and uh, went back home to watch... Um, Final score. Uh, yes. Um, now, we, of course, now we've not talked about the substantive issue. Do, 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 we, think, do yeah. we think that... Um, Shut up about do, ourselves, everyone. Do we think that, uh, that this is an important development? Well, I think what we said last year uh, might have been in the final programme when we were discussing Andy Coulson and whether he was safe uh, for the time being is that we just had to wait and see the outcome of these court cases. And this, I believe, the suspension is a result of the Sienna Miller action that she's taken... Are these actually going to get to court or is there going to be a settlement with previous cases? And it seems that the reason why Ian Edmondson's been suspended was because there was one of these sheets which had phone numbers on with a four Ian mm. written in the top of the page. So, I mean, it's you know very difficult to see him ever coming back to the news of the world given how controversial the whole phone hacking thing is. Question being how many more executives are there at the news of the world who've got these sheets with their names scrawled in the top corner? One person we know definitely who doesn't is the editor, Colin Myler, because he wasn't there mm. at the time, and he came in as the clean skin. He's you know, having a very tough time of it now, though. Yeah. Um, okay, let's have a quick uh, run round uh, TV news. Uh, that new Matt LeBlanc comedy uh, started on BBC Two this week. Did it, it's called Episodes. Did, uh, now who, uh, who watched it? Yeah, I thought it was quite good, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he wasn't in it for it, very yeah. long. He was just the opening scene, yeah. I yeah. think he... Uh, because it it's uh, not really the Matt, the, a Matt LeBlanc vehicle, even though it's, 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 it's been hung on him, but it's, it's more about the, the others, isn't it? I mean, the scene he was in, he was in a vehicle, but I know that's not right. the point you're making. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, yes, I think he'll appear more in it later. But uh, yes, right. prom- it promises, uh, I think a bit like the trip, I think it uh, might be critically lauded, but maybe you won't get lots of viewers. Well, it won't. From, uh, in my household, Alison Graham in the Radio Times absolutely slagged it off. I don't think I've seen her slag off anything quite so vehemently. And my flatmate John said it was unfunny, so I'm unlikely mm. to be tuning in. Okay. Uh, John Plunkett's uh, Thunderbirds are go. Yeah, very exciting, although there could be strings attached. 
Uh, hey, off the top of my head. Should we, we should just leave now, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Jerry Anderson is very uh, optimistic and positive that uh, uh, the series is, is being brought back with uh, all new technology. Um, ITV, uh, ITV own the rights, uh, uh, rather less so, and say so they're hopeful of doing something with it, but uh, it's rather too early days to suggest this has been, been done before, though. It hasn't has. it? I mean, it we've has. been around this particular circle several times. Um, uh, w- w- would you be a fan? And were you a fan? I love the uh, original series, even though uh, I saw it actually finished in 1966, so I do. <laughs> Thankfully, didn't see it first time round. But uh, did, uh, we used to have uh, our Sunday lunch in the Plunkett household on our laps, so we could watch uh, Thunderbirds. Really? Uh, yeah. We had exciting. to steal down at sort of seven a.m. on a Sunday morning and not wake our parents to watch it mm. back in Sydney. That all came to an end when I upturned the shepherd's pie onto the carpet. <laughs> and, uh, we were then back in the kitchen for several years afterwards. Right. Probably yeah. for a different podcast. Probably. Is this the family podcast? Uh, this is, no, this isn't the family podcast. Um, uh, big opening weekend for uh, Dancing on Ice. Dancing yes. on Ice. The Good non-thinking show. man, Strictly. <laughs> I thought, look, they've um, revamped it quite substantially and all to pretty good effect, I thought. Yes. New and set, uh, no longer five judges, only three. Oh, but they've kept that bloody awful what's-his-face what I idiot. can't stand. He's a total twat, isn't he? I, I, sorry, excuse my language, but he just is. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, but the he's guy with the, the cravat. Yeah. person that ITV viewers love to hate. Oh, but he, he's kind of Simon Cowell light, isn't he? Yeah, I've forgotten his name. Jason. J- yes, that's the one. Yeah. He knows nothing about anything. We should get him on the show. <laughs> there's, a, there's a mathematical formula you can apply to all the contestants. They're all exactly 15% less famous than people who appear on Strictly. Is that so right? Yeah, yeah yes. it's been proven. Yeah. Well, I mean, who have we got? Actually, we got um, well, Dominic Cork instead of Darren Goff. Yeah. Cricketers. We've got Craig McLaughlin from uh, Check123 from... Uh, Neighbours. And from Neighbours. And from Neighbours, yeah, of course. <laughs> right. I know him better for his music. Yeah, right. Uh, and Vanilla Ice, who's surely the, the, um, He's the marquee famous, name. He's isn't he? Well, we've got Kerry Katona, darling Kerry of the Katona. tabloids. And yeah. um, that show succeeds because of, A, the danger element, and B, the self-improvement. Because some people can, you know, be quite good at dancing, but everyone needs to train up to be any good at ice skating. Yeah, I think that. it's a real sense of achievement to be able to lift you know, someone over your head while you're on the ice. Well, yes, quite. Um, I was going to uh, make a loose women joke there, but then I'd be accused of being ageist and okay. sexist, um, so I won't. Now, now, and then suddenly Adrian Childs pops up at the, uh, the, the end of this with, that, with, with uh, some sort of hybrid chat show slash satirical news thing called the Sunday, Sunday Night Show. I didn't know that was happening even. It's it was, the new Clive James. Oh, but it was dreadful. Dreadful. Um, uh, but hopefully our own... Uh, we have, we, do you know that we're very grouchy I, today. I'm very grouchy. Well, I've got this rotten cold. I'm, I'm going home after this, but I'm just trying to get to the end of this podcast before I get to go home. Um, however, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, uh, in an essential self-promoting segue, I have to say that hopefully our own sideways-ish glance at the news will fare a little better because the uh, Week in Review podcast with Jonathan Friedland starts this week. Uh, Johnny, see how I... See how I see, see yeah. Seamless. Yeah. Uh, John is joined by uh, John Ronson, uh, comedian Josie Long, and the Guardian's legal affairs correspondent, Afwa Hirsch, uh, to talk about the Arizona shootings, policemen going native, the Beckhams, uh, the new Bond film, and all sorts of other issues too. You'll find it on iTunes and at guardian.co.uk slash audio. Now, we'll end this week with the press and the news that Richard Desmond is pulling his papers out of the PCC. Well, he's been sort of, he's been sacked from the PCC, hasn't he, Stephen? Well, he didn't pay his bill. That's it. The PCC is run by PressBoff, which is basically an alliance of all the newspaper owners, which funds the whole self-regulatory system. This is really serious and can't go on because we've had Jeremy Hunt, 
uh, this morning making well, saying the dreaded word statutory regulation. Yeah. And I tell you what, if, because if you haven't got all the titles, all the national newspaper titles in the regulatory yeah. system, it really, yeah. it really, uh, it makes it makes a mockery of the whole thing, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And we know that it is crucial that the Express papers and the Star papers are um, scrutinised and under some sort of regulatory regime because of the Madeleine McCann well, yes. uh, disaster that they um, were involved in. Mm. Yeah, perpetrated. So even though that had a legal, that, that went to the lawyers, uh, I think that if there's a big scandal like that or a very contentious series of articles that these papers publish, whilst they're not in the PCC, mm. Um, and even if there's a minor complaint that you've got against them and they feel you've been misrepresented, then uh, the PCC is saying now, oh, well, you just have to write a letter to the editor. And you can imagine the Express taking notice of your little odd complaint. So, uh, you know, if there's something serious, then Jeremy Hunt might be tempted to look further into statutory regulation, which would just cost a huge amount of time and money mm. for every newspaper publisher. And yeah. At the same time, there's an interesting bit of research by Roy, Roy Greenslade on the Media Guardian website which said that uh, Express newspapers have pay, paid out more in libel damages in recent times than any other newspaper group. So, uh, I mean, you know, if you're going to complain to the... It would appear if you're going to complain to the PCC about any newspaper, then the Express and the Star, unfortunately, are near the top of the list, but not anymore. Hmm. Um, so w- w- what do you think will happen? Will, uh, will, will there be moves, do you think, Stephen, to, uh, by the other newspaper editors to kind of, you know, uh, corral them back in and try and get them to pay up their... Well, there will definitely be. And I remember writing a story a couple of years ago when I was still at The Guardian and I was on a similar, I think it was the Newspaper Publishers Association that Desmond had said, I'm not paying all this Mm. money for these sort of marketing campaigns and things and I'm out. Interestingly, when he got into five, he started to rock the boat, didn't he, and withhold payments to producers that had done shows shine and stuff like that and created controversy and basically thumbed his nose at the industry, he likes to operate as an outsider. Stakes in this one, though, are very, very high, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and the important role that the PCC performs, uh, you know, w- w- however much you think that it's flawed, um, has been shown this week with the, with the Telegraph and uh, an a investigation launched into the Vince Cable um, Lib Dem stories. Yeah, uh, that, again, was very contentious in political circles because they mm. believe that if you've got a... A constituency meeting, it should be sacrosanct and private. Uh, I think that the, um, you know, the PCC is well within their right to launch the investigation, but I think clearly what came out of Vince Cable's mouth was so in the public interest that they'll have a pretty easy time defending that. Well, yes, but uh, the, the, uh, the point being that, it, that if there are politically controversial stories like that, 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 that where investigations are important, it's important, um, or that you could argue that, that it's important that that process is outside of a statutory, um, outside of statutory influence because it's the, the people who make the statute who are yeah. involved in this. Yeah, exactly. Who guards the Guardian? Well, exactly. uh, all right. Um, uh, uh, Max Mosley has been in Strasbourg uh, this week. I wasn't going to talk very much about this, but um, he uh, he successfully sued the News of the World over his uh, naughty, but we must say non-Nazi practices with a couple of um, uh, ladies of the night in a Belgravia basement. There's been no result from this yet, uh, has there? So we don't know what the uh, what the Strasbourg ruling is going to be. No, uh, but I think, again, this is extremely worrying because basically what he's asking for is that whatever story is written uh, about anyone, they get an automatic uh, right of reply before the article's even published. Yeah, but which most, is, this is basically good journalistic practice, yeah, but I think with particularly contentious articles, 
uh, against particularly um, you know disreputable people, that just opens up the way for a super injunction, mm, well, and we'll kill the story. Well, no, let's face it, and really, uh, you know, hugely contentious public interest traffic euro or whatever. Uh, there's a real risk that we won't find out what's really going on if this is upheld, I think. Okay, thank you very much. Time to draw things to a close. Uh, Let's wrap things up, uh, as usual, by finding out what our panel have learnt from their seven days in the media this week. John, uh, what morsel of of factitude have you got for us? Well, I'm about to find out who killed Laura Palmer, so I'm quite excited by that. I understand it appears in uh, episode seven of the second series of Twin Peaks, so... uh, so, but there's been a, a catastrophic uh, divergence of uh, box set paths in the Plunkett household. Oh. So, uh, so my other half has been watching Brothers and Sisters, which is a terribly gloopy, horribly saccharine, sentimental um, load of BS uh, right. from the, from America. And uh, Twin Peaks is too scary and too unnerving for uh, for a pregnant woman. Well, yes, so, I was going to say so yeah. it probably suits her her, her current uh, disposition. So I'm on the tw- I'm on the as it were, I'm on the twelve inch upstairs as it were, and uh, <laughs> she is on the widescreen downstairs. Right. So slightly unfair. Mm. Brookie, what uh, what have you got for us? Well, I've been uh, knocking around the offices of Bauer Media Group, interviewing their chief executive, Paul Keenan, who right. may or may not be bidding for the BBC, BBC magazines. Mm. He wouldn't confirm or deny that, but I did get him to talk generally about these sorts of things. And he said, um, and I'm quoting him here, uh, complex transactions with onerous conditions uh, more often don't happen than happen. Ah, that's a good clue. Uh, interesting. Uh, thank you very much. Um, well, well, I learned that Andrew Neil was offered the uh, uh, role of both, a uh, joint role of editor and presenter of Newsnight by John Burt in 19, 1988. This is, he revealed this in an interview with Richard Bacon. Can you imagine? Presenter and editor, Andrew Neil. <sighs> that would have been so good. <laughs> you're a, you're a fan, well, it would have you? been a more interesting program than it is now. Let's face it. I think Newsnight is going through a bit of a purple patch at the moment. I thought I thought uh, I think it's been really good on uh, on an, a few of the editions in the past week have been excellent. Stuff on the um, on the eco protester and the undercover you know reporter and everything. And and, the, and then they had uh, Naomi Wolf on last week. Yeah, I'm a regular watcher, but yeah. player, but um, presenter and editor is a hell of a player manager role, isn't it? it you is, know, it's yeah. tough one to pull off. Yeah. Anyway, it, it didn't happen. Well, uh, why not? That's such. I don't know. Weird. Of Andrew, fight. why did you not I don't know. We didn't. He, oh yes, it's. Uh, I'm just being told by producer Ben. Uh, he turned it down because he had unfinished business at the uh, Sunday Times. Because he was still the editor of the oh, Sunday Times. Oh, oh right, yeah. Well, uh, that's it. Th- uh, thank you very much. Well, um, unless I, I'm to be replaced this week by someone younger and more beautiful, as if uh, by with a bigger uh, chest. By, yes, with a bigger chest. Uh, by producer Ben, I'll be back next week uh, when we'll be on the road at the. Uh, wait for it, the uh, Oxford Media Convention. <laughs> no, I can't wait either. I think it's going to be quite good next week because Jeremy Hunt is going to talk about. Is going to all the the local television stuff is going to be confirmed next week. You know all that stuff that we said uh, would never happen. It would yeah, never work. Yeah. But I think it is going to happen, and it, and, and it Hunt, won't work. And it won't work. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and there'll be, there'll be quiche for lunch as well. So uh, 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 it'll be a win-win all round. Uh, in the meantime, post your feedback uh, on everything uh, you've, we've just been talking about on our blog, guardian.co.uk slash mediatalk, uh, or follow me on Twitter. Uh, that's at Matthew Wells. Uh, Media Talk is produced by Ben Green. I'm Matt Wells. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. If, if we don't get through this soon, I'll just die of lurking. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.